0: welcome to church today the message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church be encouraged as you enjoy this message father we give you thanks today again as we've already prayed we give you thanks we give you thanks ah, Spirit of God somehow some way make that adjustment in our physical and spiritual being right now to lean in to you, to acknowledge you, to, as it were, give, yield ourselves to you now for these next several minutes. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of the living God, again, you are the great teacher of the church. You are the revelator. You're the one that reveals. You're the one that illumines. You're the one that illumines. You shine the light on things so that we can actually see them, and uh, so I pray, Father, again that you would be with my mouth, that you would help me um, communicate these things in a way that's succinct, in a way that um, honors you, to say the least. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. A couple of weeks ago, God put something on my heart. Pretty, pretty simple, but anyway, I'm going to ask you to go to Isaiah 41 first of all, and Isaiah 41.4 in the Amplified Bible. Isaiah 41.4. And uh, the prophet he's talking about, and this is basically talking just about God. And he speaks of God. It says, God, who has prepared and done this, calling forth and guiding the destinies of the generations of the nations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first, existing before history began, and with the last, am ever-present, unchanging God, I am he. What I want to read that for is just about, uh, again, this is very simple, but I want us to see what it says there. That God says himself, he said, I, the Lord, I am the first. I existed before history began. And I'm with the last, I'm ever-present, I'm an unchanging God. I'm an unchanging God, I am he. And of course, in Malachi 3:6 is where it's, God simply says, He says, "I am God, I change not. I am God, I change not." Okay? I, wanna, I wanted to quote that first, because what God was dealing with me about is just about the impossible and about how our vision I don't, I don't you know, help me, I don't know. I've got to search for the words to find it. I'm not being with the man. I really, really, really want God to manifest in our midst, okay? I mean, I really do. We can talk, we can teach for days and months and years. But I really, really want God to manifest. I want his glory. I want his, this love that we just sang about. Uh, I forget if it was Lucy that just sang or whatever at one part which starts saying, you know, I'm, about, I'm bigger. I'm, I'm bigger than you somehow some way our vision of who god is and how big he is has to increase now that's such a simple statement but all through scripture god's people the problem was that they allowed their god to be too small as the lord said something to me a couple of days ago and i wrote it down and simply he said i cannot i cannot have big faith if i have a small god I cannot have big faith if I have a small God. And where I'm going with this is just, again, that somehow, someway, we have to really, I don't, you know, the Bible says we, we must believe only. Jesus said only believe, believe. And, you know, honestly, in this Christian journey, that's tough because we can all mentally ascend, as they say. In other words, agree from the soul. Yes, I understand that. We need to believe. And, and at times we, 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 with our best, with best intentions, we say, I believe the Bible, right? I believe God. I believe the Bible. But think about that statement. At least for me, God stopped me and said, no. He said, if, if you actually, if, Rod, you did actually believe me, a whole lot of things would be different. And I went, wow, thanks a lot. And he said, no. He said, it's just an adjustment. He said, I'm just calling you. I'm calling everybody forward to a place where they really will understand that belief, belief is an exchange between heaven and earth that suddenly causes what heaven has to be catapulted to your environment, to where you are. And and he said something funny to me, too. I was talking about, I said, well, I believe the word. And he said, well, that's part of your problem. And he said, you've been so busy believing the scriptures that you've ever so subtly didn't, you, you, you've placed more faith in the scripture than you have in me who wrote them. And it's, it's, I know it's simple. Jesus said something similar, didn't he, to the Pharisees and Sadducees. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you'll find eternal life but it's they that speak of me. You know, we know that verse. In other words, he said, you guys are searching the scriptures, thinking that you're going to find the solution in the scriptures. You're going to find an answer to questions. But he said, the Bible isn't about finding answers to questions. It's about finding him. Right? And all I know is my vision of God, I think, I mean, I just confess it before God has been too small. I, I, I don't really comprehend how big he is. If I did, I really believe a whole lot of things would be different. So my, my, my strong prayer of late is to correct that somehow, some way and just say, okay, father, what do I do? Help me. I, I want you to be bigger in my life. So he just started me on a little thing. And of course, I can't do all of this, right? and Share everything that he's been talking about in one session, but um. He started me just looking back at some of the miracles, just some of the miracles. Because, again, it, like it says, like I quoted Malachi 3, I am God, I change not. Now, like I said, I can ask you, do we believe that? And we'll all say, yes, I believe. God is the same. I never change. But, again, that's where we have to pull back a little bit and say, but do I really believe that? Do I actually believe God doesn't change? Because if that's the case, then when we see what God has done all the time for his people, we have to be able to say with God and with his word then that God who did that then is the same God. Therefore, again, I know it's a similar, it's a common statement we make, but if he did it then, he surely can do it now. So why was he able to do it then? And why does he seemingly, why isn't, why isn't it happening now like, we, like we'd like it to happen? And it, when it's all said and done, even with the grace that comes in the New Testament, it does still come to the fact that, again, we don't really believe. That's why the guy who had us, you remember the guy in Mark 9 who came with his son who was, um, had a, uh, a demon spirit, a foul spirit, and, when, and um, he cried out to Jesus, said, Jesus, he said, if, if you will... He said, heal my son, deliver my son. He said, uh, and he said, the Lord said, well, if you believe, all things are possible to them who believes. And he said, well, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And uh, it came from him, not from God, but it, it's, it, I'm just saying, so I started saying, Father, help my unbelief. Help me get rid of it. Help me really begin to believe. And I'm one of these guys, and I have a, Incredible imaginations. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I do. I have a big time imagination. Sometimes it freaks me out in my dream life. I have the strangest, weirdest dreams. You don't even want to go there. But I have this imagination. And he, he wants us to begin to use that to cultivate our vision of who our God is. If he is our God, if we actually be God, if he, if, if he is our God, then we need to simply serve him as God and, do, and keep being honest in front of him and saying, help me f- to find greater alignment with you or whatever word we want to use so that we might see you, that you really might manifest yourself in our behalf. Oh God, please do that. I mean, really. And like we just sang about, to actually believe the love. Man. What what kind of love is this? I mean, you know. This love. You know, we sing about it. But even this morning when I sing it again. just It just strikes me so much. That the God of all creation. Actually. He, he loves me. And he will never forsake me. And I. Uh, and I, it's weird with me lately. It's like, forgive me for putting my shoes up here, but I feel more comfortable. I feel like I'm on a Harley Davidson again. He said he would show himself alive to us and that we would be willing in the day of his power. I, I, I want his, I'm, I'm just, sorry, I'm going all over the place. I want God to manifest. I, like I said, I don't want to just do church. I want, I want us to come together corporately, do whatever's necessary so that somehow I don't want us to strive. See, this is the difficult thing. We don't want to strive. Serving the Lord must not strive. But somehow we must at least be willing to say, God, you know, do a work in me as an individual. I'm not going to worry about my neighbor. But whatever it takes, whatever needs to happen in me so that I might actually set my affections upon you and not on things believed, Whatever it takes, just help me get there. So I am choosing to believe that when God said he is no respecter of persons that he meant that. I said I'm choosing to believe that if he did it for anyone else, he can do it for you or he can do it for me. You have to start somewhere and the best place to start with God is truth. God's word it's just that, like I said in the morning when we first started, we need to reverence far more. We we've talked we talk about the Word of God, the Word of God so much, and we acknowledge the fact that we go to the Word and need to be in the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. And I agree to all that. But somehow we've allowed it I don't know. I don't think we really comprehend again that it is his word. His word is 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 completely full of himself. And we need to use our imagination. We need to think about every word of God is true. Every word of God has this creative heavenly gift within it that actually when when it's sent somewhere, it brings change. When it flows out from us, when it flows out from heaven to us, it brings change. And sometimes you don't see it, immediately, but you see it. Like, again, all of us have a testimony of some sort, you know, like me, you know, being a drug addict, being all kinds of violence, being in prison and all the junk that I went through and saw. And I'm changed, you know, and it happened because the word of God just kept bathing me. I didn't know what it was doing, but I suddenly, I'd look around, I'd look in the mirror month after month, and I was a different person. I wasn't the Rod Anderson Of those days. And all of us have a similar testimony, don't we? It's just, it is God's word. And that's why Jesus said, again, we need to take it some more seriously. John 15, Jesus said, you are cleansed. You are clean. Now are you clean by the word which I have spoken. God's word cleans you up. And this is why we have to keep coming back to it over and over again. But somehow, again, we, we I don't think we really believe that it's the word of God. I think we just sometimes enjoy the teaching or enjoy what it speaks to. But I, all I know is God's really taking me on a trip right now to—to to believe. <laughs> I started looking at miracles, and I'm just going to go through some of these. But let me give you another verse. You don't have to go there, but in, in Psalm seventy-eight, Psalm seventy-eight forty-one in the in the King James. It won't say this in the Amplified, but Psalm 78, 41 is where God says that they limited me. They limited the Holy One of Israel. And he's talking about when the people came out of, the, out of, the, out of Egypt and they went to the, uh, over the Red Sea and they went in the wilderness for those 40 days and what have you like that. And it says that time and time again, he came to them, but it says that they, he said, but you limited me. And one translation, which is probably, well, okay, that says, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. When you look up some of the words, the word limited can also mean to grieve or to cause pain. But that does cause God pain when we limit him. And really think, in other words, we have, we don't mean to, but we kind of put a limit on what God can do in my life. We do not believe how big he is. We do not really believe that he's still the God of the suddenlies. We really don't, and I'm not condemning, I'm saying we need to really, I think, push or our reboot button or something. We need to actually look again and ask a hard question of ourselves. Do I actually believe? What does it look like when, what did it look like when other people believed? And compare that to where we are right now. And again, remember, there's nothing condemnatory, nothing condemning in God whatsoever. He is love. Everything he brings to you is to create blessing through you. You know what I mean? Right? Right? He wants to bless. That's who he is. He is love. Remember, love isn't a characteristic he carries. Love is who he are. (laughs) You know what I mean? So everything that he's doing, he does from that perspective. I am love. I'm trying to get this to you. Okay? Oh, well. Anyhow, like I said, too many things. Um, can't even read my notes up here. So. In John uh, 3.30 is where uh, John the Baptist spoke about Jesus coming to be baptized, and he made that simple statement where he said, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's another one that kind of flows with the thought I'm going through right now, somehow, some way, because you see, in life it's very subtle. We don't know we do this. Sometimes we're now hear me, you know like the verse says in Matthew six thirty three, we all know it seek ye first the kingdom. Then everything that you have need of will come to you, but you seek first the kingdom. But he must increase, but we must decrease. But what we really do, we don't mean to, but we really work hard at fixing ourselves. We really work harder than we realize at being not see don't miss it you got to get this we're working hard sometimes to be a better person that doesn't sound bad, does it? but when you think that through you're putting your attention on you. you hear me you're putting your intention on you increasing. I need to do this more I need to work harder I need to stretch more in this area. I need to write more, pray more, sing more. I, I need to better myself. And again, that's not wrong, but it can be wrong. If you're more intent upon your own increase, because if you're intent on your increase, you're not intent on his increase. When you really set your focus on him increasing, I need God to increase in my life. I need the revelation of God. I need the revelation of his love. I need all of that to increase in my life. You don't have to push for your own increase. Because in seeking the increase that comes from God and seeking his increase and seeking him to increase in our life because he is love and because everything about love lives to give of itself that's what the basic definition real heartbeat of love is i want to give myself i want to give myself to something else i want to give myself to others and if you begin to actually live like that and say, I recognize God, I want you to increase my life, because of him being who he is, automatically this stuff just begins to come upon you. That's the interesting thing. It's like back in Deuteronomy. If thou will hearken diligently unto all these commandments which I command you this day, then all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, saith the Lord. If you head, if you if you if you will hearken diligently to all the commandments, if you'll really pay attention to what I'm asking you to do, then he said, all these blessings are going to come upon you. They come from behind. But we ever so, we don't mean to begin, but we mostly, we focus on heading, we focus on the blessings. We focus on getting the blessings, doing what it takes to get the blessing instead of, doing what it takes, just making sure I'm walking towards him. Because he said, all these things will come upon us if we'll live in this direction. But we're living in that direction, and it's like that magnet thing when you have a, a pile of iron filings. Remember, it's still the best illustration. You have that little pile of iron filings like when you're in school, and they give you this little magnetic rod, and one end is positive, one end is negative. And the negative, you keep pushing that up to that pile of iron, and the iron goes hmm. Push it up, keeps pushing it away because you've got the wrong side, the wrong negative force. You've got the negative part. Mm, mm, mm. You keep trying to get close and it keeps pushing the very thing that you're trying to get to away. But you flip that thing around, that positive aspect of that magnet, and it gets right up there and just, whoop, and it sucks it right to it, doesn't it? Do you remember that? Remember all those? Ones? Just suck it right to that magnet. God said, hearken diligently in what I'm asking you to do, face this. And all this other stuff will come upon you. It'll it'll come from behind. So he must increase in all of us. Listen, he's faithful. He is faithful. Again, that's a decision all of us need to make. There's there's a verse in Job, I'd have to dig it up again, but I love it. It says there is nothing too trivial for our God who loves us. The smallest thing in your life that you may think is, and no, that's too little a to deal, is huge to God because of how huge his love is for you. He wants to help in that area. I said he wants to help you in that area. He wants to bring you through to a better place. He wants you to bring you through to a victory or to a blessing or to whatever, because that's who he is. That's what he does. He can't help himself. I said he can't help himself. That's what he does. Oh, God help me. (laughs) I can't have, I I cannot have big faith if I have a small God. Um, So I'm just going to go through a couple of the miracles here just in the Old Testament. Just read some because I already took a whole lot more time and, Flashing around. In Genesis 1, of course, this God that we said that we serve, that we believe, again, He lives outside of time. And He speaks, doesn't He? He speaks all of creation into manifestation. Everything that we see, Scripture says, was made out of things we cannot see. Do we believe that? We can all nod our heads. But do we consistently carry around with us the revelation of that, again, this spirit realm, the unseen realm, is far, it carries far more reality than this seen realm. Everything that we look at in here, somewhere the, the very building, the components of the earth, this dust, dirt, everything, glue, everything that went together, and anything and everything, ourselves, our own human bodies, were made out of something, made out of things that cannot be seen. And to follow God, we have we I, say, I don't want to keep saying we have to, but we actually need to go there. We need to believe that. Because our God, he isn't a seeing God at this point. But see, he does, all through history, he has manifested himself to a people. And the greatest miracles happened to a corporate people. They didn't happen to individuals. They happened to all of Israel. And see, this is why I'm just trusting God that the hundred of us that seem at the moment are attending this church. You know, well, if, a, if just a hundred of us, much less we all know of just two or three of you gathered. But if a hundred of us actually got to the place where we walked in here, much less doing living at a home two, seven days a week. But actually walked in here with that, that I serve a living God. I mean, I actually mean that. I serve a God who's living He withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly before him, that his eyes really are racing to and fro throughout the earth to see who he might show himself strong to. What would happen if every one of us actually came with an expectation like that? Hallelujah. I mean, what you believe does charge the atmosphere, negatively or positively. That's a proven truth. Even in science outside of the church, it's a proven thing that what you believe creates an attractive field. It begins to attract what you believe. Fear attracts. Faith attracts. It does. It's just a fact. So this is why, again, I think God just is doing surgery on a lot of us and say, what? See, you do. Every one of you in here is a believer. Amen? You believe something. You really do believe. I said you really do believe, and where you are today is a product of how you've been, how you've believed all your life. I used to hate it when I heard somebody say that to me. Oh, God, well, let's get rid of that and flush that down the toilet as quickly as we can then, God. I sure don't want to stay where I'm at. Hallelujah. But I didn't stay where I was at because I stayed. I didn't run away. I stayed where the word of God was being taught. I stayed. I stayed. And that stuff kept coming, and it kept cleansing, and it kept working. And none of us will ever be perfect like we know, but I'm telling you, you can get a whole lot better than you are, to say the least. About every one of us are believers. Hallelujah. Every one of you are believers. You believe something, right or wrong. But you believe, and what you believe manifests, because that's a spiritual law. Faith works. So if you have faith even in the wrong direction, well, it's still faith, because that's how faith works. You believe. So stuff starts to happen. I'm just saying I want us to get honest before God and say, God, help me, help me understand then what to really believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Anyhow, miracles. God speaks all of creation out. To me, that's pretty heavy in itself. I serve a God and who spoke everything in the creation. And you know, we could go off in 14 weeks of teaching about the words of our mouth. That's still what we have, what we possess as we're men and women created in the image of God. And therefore, our words carry creative power. So, but that's a miracle. And let me just go. In Exodus 14, of course, God parched the Red Sea, right? And like I've always said, when I teach on that from Exodus 14, I always tell people, you know, if we were to go out to go to Margate today or wherever, go over to somewhere by the English Channel, and instead of taking the train from, you know, uh, London. we not taking a ferry. We go over there, and we all go together as a church and a couple of coaches. We get out. we we'll walk over there. I give David Powell a staff, and I said, David, stretch that staff over the sea, and he stepped, He stretched it out there, and the whole you know, channel opens up and sits on one side, stands the wall on one side. I mean, again, that would be a different Sunday service, like I always say, right? But, you know, we, we don't really... You've got to meditate in this stuff until you see it. Do we serve a God that can part a sea for His people when His people need to be delivered? And this is something that works through almost every one of these miracles. If God's people need help, God shows up. I'm, I'm reading through the whole Bible again, and I'm up to the, just towards the end of Second Samuel right now, and it just you know, and Israel screws up every time, every time, every time. We're reading through all the Judges, you know. Da, 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 judged Israel, and then Israel fell and went ahead and you know served other gods. But then they cried out, and then all this crap happened to them. And it says, then they cried out to God, and God heard them and delivered them. Israel failed again. They cried out to God. God came and delivered them. Israel fails again. They cry out to God. God delivered. I mean, when you, you just think to yourself, when will people learn? I mean, over and over and over and over and over. But God delivers his people. And this is not the old covenant. Do you know what I mean? When they actually cry out to him. It's so anyhow, he parts the Red Sea. To me, that's a pretty big miracle. But do you see it? And, um, of course, the Exodus 16 is when he fed. These are 2 million people. And, again, he feeds them every single day, except Sunday because he gives twice as much on Saturday. But he feeds them with this stuff called manna, right? I mean, every day he made provision for them in the desert in the wilderness. Of course, then they wanted something other than manna they said we need some fleshes sometimes so god causes can you you know there's two million people tons tons and picture how many trucks it would take full of quail to feed two million people until the flesh ran out of their nostrils <laughs> yuck is that a horrible picture or what but god said you want flesh here have it and you know tons of quails flew into the camp of Israel and fell. And they ate quail till they, you know, you wanted flesh. You got it, dude. I mean, but it was a miracle. God said, okay, I'm going to bring to you, you know, 15 billion quail and plant up here. That's, that's a bit of a miracle. God can do that. It reminds me, oh, no, I don't want to go there. It'll take too much time. Never mind. Um, and uh, in Exodus 17, uh, when God speaks to Moses, a rock, he speaks to, well, he's supposed to speak to it, but sadly he struck it with his with his staff. A rock, out of a rock, out of a rock comes enough water to thir- to quench the thirst of over two million people. There's no water anywhere. And he walks up and goes, bonk. <laughs> and water comes that feeds and gives water for over two million people. I mean... That's a miracle. Isn't that a miracle? Right? I mean, right now, you know, if I asked Julie to go up there and kick that speaker, and, you know, 14,000 gallons of water flush out of it real quick, again, that would, you would go, wow, that's heavy. That's quite a trip. I mean, he's not dynamo. I know you guys watch dynamo. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's a miracle. Number 16, God opens up the earth to swallow the rebellious to Moses. That would have been a church service. I said, that would have been a church service. You know, all these guys, the sons of Kor, everybody comes up and says, you know, we don't want Moses to be a leader anymore. Who do you think you are, Moses? Set yourself up. I mean, we hear from God, too. We know how to prophesy, too. And Moses in there and falling on their faces, they're basically saying, don't do this. Don't do this, dude. You understand, you're not coming against us. You're coming against God. But they continue to rebel and rebel and find. And God says, listen, those are you that are with us, come on this side. Those of you that want to stay with Kor, stay on that side. I always think about it like right now in this building, you know. And he said, if these people die by a method that's never been seen before, you know, he said, then it's not me. But if they die a death that's never been seen before, it is because of God. And, you know, and boom, the whole earth opens up. And everybody on. Sorry about that, Angela. Sorry, Ellie. Sorry, Astrid, Lucy, David, all you guys. No more band. The Earth opens up and everybody on that side is swallowed alive. It says swallowed alive into the bowels of the earth. That would be something I would remember, you know. And it cracks me up because the next verse in the next chapter says, "And on the morrow they rebelled, they they murmured and complained against Moses." Do you do you really understand what does it take to? They see this earth. The earth opens up and swallows twenty-seven thousand people. For complaining against Moses, and the next morning they complain against Moses. There's dumb, and then there's dumb, man. You know, there's some people have a degree in stupid. You guys, anybody actually here? Good Lord, you're just sitting here going. I wonder if rugby's on. I'm going to go watch the Winter Olympics. eh? Anyhow, miracles. Forgive me. Whatever. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm just having fun, anyhow. Because there. Numbers twenty-two, God causes, causes causes a donkey to speak to Balaam. Remember, Balaam's on the way, and they're wanting him to and this the donkey knows better. The angel of the Lord and suddenly appears and stands before him with this huge drawn sword, but Balaam can't see it. But the donkey keeps seeing it, keeps putting across, and finally the guy won't obey, and finally God touches the donkey, and the donkey turns around to Balaam and says, Dude, <laughs> you're really jacking things up here. I got to tell you, I love our two little dogs at home. But if I go home and Bo looks up at me and says, where have you been? I really like some water about now. I mean, if he spoke to me, I I would freak out a little bit. I would go, whoa, Julie, what did you put in my food? Just an old LSD trip coming to pass. But God, if need be, can cause an animal to speak and see if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God who changes not. It, could God speak to animals today? Could he lose the tongue of an animal to speak to us? Could he... Nothing, see, don't, I'm, like I said, unless you're a little child, God, uh, God could probably open the mouth of a fish. He could come up and go, Angela, you need to do this. And Angela would go, cool. And Angela would come and tell us, a fish spoke to me the other day. And we would all pray for Angela. But God... Is, is he the same yesterday and today? If, he, if I am God, could, can, could he speak to an animal? Can you believe that that's possible? Well, see, we can nod our head, but we don't really. I'm just saying I don't think we really do. I don't think we really believe that he, that he would part a sea for us today. I'm trying to get us to a point where we say, you know what? I can have faith for the impossible. You got to hear me right now. I can have I in Jesus' name, and gonna quit putting limits on how you work, on how you want to do this. Somehow, some way, I'm gonna yield myself to you and simply say, I believe. Remember, a while back, I shared with you Julie and I had watched this old message from um, Jesse Duplantis, and when he shared about eleven, Mark eleven twenty-four. 23 and 24 when he got to that place he said you know what we do sadly though it says, you know Jesus said if you will say unto this mountain be thou removed be thou cast and sea and shall not doubt in your heart but shall believe that whatsoever things you say will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say then he puts the law in motion and says therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe and he said but put a line right there don't even worry about that he'll that, you'll believe, you know, that you're going to believe that you receive the things you pray for. He said, where, where God wants you to draw the line, he just simply said, when you pray, believe. He said, but what we do is this. If, say, we pray, we want this mountain removed, whatever that mountain, my mountain of debt, whatever it is. And the moment we say, okay, I believe, but what we really do then, our head goes into work trying to figure out how that's going to happen. How's this gonna happen? How am I gonna meet somebody like our singers and our musicians that are producing albums of like and, you know, how is it ever gonna happen that somebody's gonna actually hear my music or hear my stuff who will appreciate it for what I believe it has and you know, or the books I'm writing, or the screenplays, or whatever, whatever the gift is that you have so magnificently within you that every one of you have. How's it gonna happen? How's it gonna happen? How's you gonna well, see then you haven't believed? A lot of people say, well, I'm believing God. Think of the terminology. Listen to the semantics. In other words, the word usage itself. I'm believing God right now for this. If you're believing God, that means you're still in the act of believing. That means you haven't believed yet. Do you catch that? You haven't actually believed with an ED at the end. It says you're in the process of believing. Well, that's not faith. You've got to catch that. That's not faith. That's not what the Bible teaches. When you pray, believe. But man, that's hard on our human nature because we want to figure this thing out. God wants us to learn how to release something in his hands for real. I give this to you. And I actually don't have a care now because it's in your hands. And you do all things well. I'm just going to let you do it. And people will call you irresponsible. What are you doing about this? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? Well, I'm not doing anything because it's in God's hands. I've done my bit. I've put it on him and I believe. How can you say, well, because I do, I believe. Now it's tough, but we can get there because our God is a God of miracles. But we have to start to believe that he's that big. Hallelujah. Anyhow, God Causes the donkey to speak to Balaam. Joshua 4:15, God parts the Jordan again for his people. That's a miracle. Uh, this one is heavy. Joshua 10, verses uh, 12 through 14. Remember, for the sake of his people, for the sake of his people getting victory, he causes the sun and the moon to stand still for over 24 hours. See, that's how we wreck. <laughs> God created the sun, the moon. I want to get to the place where I, I, because I, you know, I can, like, nod my head, like I said, say, yeah, I believe God can do that. But down deep, I don't know that I do. But I sure want to. I want to get to the place where I realize, even when I walk out of these doors today, the God I serve can stop that sucker right now. I mean, he can, he can park that moon in half if he, if there's a necessity for that son to be parted and cut in half and be in two parts all of a sudden. I don't know why, and I don't care why, but if God wanted to do it, he could do it. I need to be as a little child. God can do anything. God can change your life so quick if you actually believe. God can change your life so radically if we actually did give ourselves to him and actually surrender and actually say, here I am. Man, do what you want. I mean, really, do what you want. Uh, I'm not going to put any restrictions. Any of my well, I want you to do it this way, though. I'd like you to do it this way. I'd like you to no. Just here I am, and, and, and as the act of consecration, just bow down. He 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 stops the son. First Samuel, I uh, love it. They take the ark. This is the next one's one of my favorites. But this is when you know Israel messes up because they get out of the will of God again, and the ark of God is taken. The Philistines capture it, and remember, they take it and they put it. There's a lot of prophecy in this, a lot of prophetic information in this. They put the God of Israel, they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of their God, Dagon, remember? Big old ugly looking thing with a fish head on it. And they put it in there and they come up the next morning and they go in there and Dagon's fallen over on his face. And so the priests set him back up. They go in the next day and Dagon's fallen over. His head's chopped off, his feet are chopped off, and his hands are chopped off. And they start going, woo, you know, and I'm telling you, think about that. In the end times, you see, a lot of people are going to try to take what we have, God's presence, and they're going to try to put it within the, the nexus or the core of their belief system. They're going to try to put the truth in the midst of their lie, and it's going to kill their lie. Anyhow, you're going to have to think on that for a few years, but we're going to watch that happen. Anyhow, he, so God causes all that to happen. Then the next thing, but I love this. So they get to they get freak out and they say, well, let's get rid of the ark, send him to Gath. So they put the ark and they, they take the earth ark and they send it to Gath. But God, it says, puts a curse. The next one, this, it puts a, God sends a plague of hemorrhoids. This is one of my favorite ones. God sends a plague of hemorrhoids on them. They freak out and so they send it to the next city, to Ekron, God sends a plague of hemorrhoids. And I don't, you know, I don't want to be rude, but I got to read you what I read about the word hemorrhoid, what it means? It says, and I'm not trying to be rude, but it says, the word means the disease caused the bleeding piles, which was reportedly, oh, sorry, I can't hardly see. The word means the disease caused the bleeding piles which which apparently was accompanied with dysentery and bloody flux, listen to this, forgive me now, and an ulcerated anus. Now, I'm just saying, haven't you ever wanted to pray that on your enemies? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, could you imagine all this? I mean, we're talking about 50,000, 100,000 guys. God says, you want to take my God in your midst? Tell you what, check this out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think God has a sense of humor. Have some hemorrhoids, boys. Can you imagine all all these guys walking around? Don't sit down. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I forgive me, but in my imagination, I try to picture that hundreds of thousands of dudes, all with hemorrhoids, all with bleeding. you know what? and all, <laughs> I serve a God who would do that to my enemies. See, and the devil thinks he's going to have all this glory in the end time. I said the devil thinks all of his stuff, all of his deception is going to be a big deal. Do you understand our God can just go poof and upset them boys so bad that they can't move a muscle, that anything they do will be in pain. Because they'll be outside of God. Because they're daring to touch God's people. They're daring to touch God's people. We are God's property. Anyhow, I love that one. So forgive me, but I thought that was funny. First Kings seventeen one to six. God feeds Elijah bread and meat by ravens. I mean, he has birds bringing cheeseburgers. That's pretty cool. I mean, really. Could he still that? I mean, could he still do that today? What would happen right now if you know everybody's hungry and the door opens, Deji opens the door and a whole flock of doves come in here all holding a little bag from your favorite restaurant. I mean, just picture, (laughs) drops this McDonald's bag right in the lap of Angela. My wife wouldn't like that. Okay, a beautiful French restaurant brings in some fish and some vegetables and drops it in the lap of my wife with a beautiful... I mean, honestly... You know, see, we're, we're, we're playing like we're kids, but could, not, could God do that? But see, your head starts to go, well, that's stupid. Why would you ever think that? Don't be silly. I'm not being silly. I'm, I'm actually learning to use my imagination. I'm learning. I want to believe that he can do anything because he can do anything. I said he can do anything. But see, it's do you believe he can do anything? I want us to get to that place again where we really believe. Anyhow, hallelujah. Remember, you got to love me or you will not go to heaven. I like this one too, First Kings eighteen forty six. This is when Elijah, God speaks to Elijah, and I forget who it is that's on the chariot, what have you, but Elijah outruns the chariots with the horses all the way back to, to Jerusalem. I like that one. I think like right now, thinking about it, if we went out to whatever one of these racehorse places where the racehorses are like, I can't even remember. What's the name of one of the tracks around here? What? Well, yeah, Ascot. So let's say we all go to Ascot, and God suddenly falls on Mike Powell, all right? And here's all these horses that run. The gate goes ding, and then and suddenly here comes Mike. I mean, I mean, just can you picture him. Like Those legs flying, man. And he runs past all those horses. That's cool. I'd like to do that. Hallelujah. Wouldn't you cheer him on? Go, Mike. Go, Mike. Check him out. I don't know if he'd give me him, give him a trophy or not. But I'm just saying, could God do that today then? Where am I going? Can God do that again? If need be, why not? I said, if need be, why not? Is he the same? I am God a Is he the same? He, he, he is the same. Uh-huh. Second Kings 2 Kings 2.8, God parts the Jordan River again when Elijah strikes it with his own mantle. 2 Kings 4.18-37, God raises up the Shunammite's son through Elijah, resurrection. I mean, the, guy, the kid's dead. 2 Kings 19.35, the angel of the Lord, this is a trip. angel of the Lord destroys an entire army, of the entire army of Sennacherib. This angel stands in the middle of the field and it says he kills 185,000 people. Can you imagine the bloodbath that people would dare to come against his people? I said that people who would dare to come against his people, he is ready to single-handedly come down and wipe them out. And listen, listen see, I, I would, you've got to get, this needs to be in you right now because of what some of us will face in the next few decades. You youngsters in particular, you're going to see, you know, it's an incredible manifestation of evil. Evil is going to get worse and worse. But you got to remember, it doesn't move God because God knows the end of the story. And we need to know the end of the story. And we need to believe, listen, that's okay. Whatever they bring against us, hey, God's for me. God is for me. God is for me. And who can stand against me? See, a lot of people will just, they'll start crying and they'll freak out. But that's why so many, like even under Nero in Rome, remember, they couldn't, the, the people of Rome, some of them, they could not comprehend why these people died Singing songs with smiles on their faces when these lions attacked them. They, what kind of people are this? What God is this that they serve? That they stand there unflinchingly when these hungry beasts come and destroy them, and they're still singing. They have records about they were singing to God while the ant- while the lion was eating their body, the lower part of their body, that they were still singing to God. <laughs> and we say we believe. You know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to condemn. I want us to know he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Second Kings twenty. God, ah, this is a trip. When Hezekiah, when Hezekiah, when Hezekiah begins to pray and stuff, that God would heal him, and God gives him another fifteen years. But he says, "Well, how will I know that you'll do this?" And basically, God, listen. God causes time to sundown. He causes time to go back 10 degrees. He causes time to go back. He causes time to go back for one of his servants. He, he causes time to go back. See, that would be good for a lot of us ministers. We'd have got more time to preach. But he causes, he can cause time to go back. What would happen to say you were, I don't know what, some place where you knew that you knew that you knew that everything you had was dependent upon being here at 3.15 or whatever it was. And, man, it's 3.20 and you're not there. And what happened if you put your hand up and God so loves you that all of a sudden he turns all time back and it's only 2.30? Uh, uh, anyhow, to me, that's cool. All right, I'm just about done. <laughs> now, those are just a few of the miracles, right? Those are just a few of the miracles of God were How many of you are still awake? Anybody here still awake okay just you got to love me remember you will not go to heaven god has spoken you will not go to heaven if you do not love me but here's all these verses just some of them again about impossible matthew 17 20 and uh, they came and this is that matthew's version about why the disciples say why we couldn't cast out this devil and he said jesus said to them because of your unbelief for verily it Word verily means truly, you know. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain over here, he points over there, remove hence to yonder place, and it will remove. And nothing shall be impossible to you. Right? Right? He said, Everybody say nothing. Nothing shall be impossible. Mark 9, 22, 23, similar passage. And the, the guy's father. I've already referred to this. The guy whose son was uh, had a demon. It says, and he it is often. This spirit has often thrown him both into fire and into water, intending to kill him. But if you can do anything, do have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, "You say to me, if you can do anything, why all things are possible to him who believes." Luke one thirty-seven. The whole thing about the angels speaking to Mary, and Mary wonders how this is going to happen, and the angel says. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. No word from God shall be without power. When you take some of these words next time and you apply them to yourself, have that in your spirit. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment in Luke 18:27 but he said what is impossible with men is possible with God. Amen. Now Ephesians 3:20 is the verse where it talks about that he is able not only to do what we ask but he's able to do super abundantly far over and above our highest prayers, dreams, or hopes or aspirations, right? And and then I'm I'm actually going to finish, and I know this hasn't been whatever, but I'm going to read this verse, just a simple verse, and um, and where is it, Galatians 4, 4.31, let me see if I can find it, yeah, right here, just 4.31, and Paul's talking to the people of Galatia, and he finishes this part of the chapter, and he just says this, actually, can you put up Galatians 4.31, look at this, so brethren, first of all, how many of you were born again in here? Denise, put your hand up, at least attempt, is it up? David, put her hand up there. All right, praise God. So, brethren, we who are born again, listen. We are not children of a slave woman, the natural, but of the free, the supernatural. We are children of the supernatural. Just say that to yourself. Close your eyes right now and say this with me. I am a child of the supernatural. I am a child of the supernatural. And you are, I said. You are. So the supernatural is where God's going to lead us and take us and get us used to believe, get us used to living there. We're going to start living where He's called us to live in the supernatural. So what do we have to do? We have to again declare war on unbelief. Somehow, some way, we have to, as individuals. And as a church, and you know, praying churches, but as a church, just declare war on unbelief and begin to believe that God can do what he says he can do. You know, I was really blessed this last Sunday when I went, when they asked me what Julie's taught there at Himalayan episode on Saturday. And I was there on Sunday. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. Good friends, Brian and Dolly Boggans. And, um, and anyhow, I went there and they were sharing stuff. And when they introduced me, they talked about how they, re- they brought this guy up and two guys up to share what had happened when I was with them the last time way back when. And it was a three-day camp, and, you know, I'd forgotten all about it. But they shared about how this, I think I've shared some of this with you before, but the father was there again about, they had, she, they had, he had this daughter. I don't know what the name, they, the name of some condition. It was incredibly rare. This 17, 18-year-old girl, I think she was 17 years old then, had not been awake for over two and a half years. Had not been awake. Really strange. Somehow they they had to feed her intravenously and all this stuff. And they took her everywhere. But they brought her to the same. I was teaching the love walk way back when. And it was, I'd been teaching the love walk for two days. And Brian, the pastor, told me about this guy. And he was one of his associates or elders. And he said, and he brought him in. Told, I said, well, what's this all about? And the guy was trying to explain. You know, I can't figure that out. What do you mean? She hasn't been awake for two and a half years. What? What, you know? And anyhow, and I said, is she here? And she said, he said, yeah, yeah, she's downstairs in one of the rooms. We've got her down there with a friend that's caring for her. Just, we have to be with her all the time. And I said, can I go see her? I wasn't trying to be super spiritual. Anymore. I didn't do anything super spiritual. But I walked down there looked at a lovely young woman just laying in this bed, you know, pulled back with some wires on her. And uh, I said, can I, can I, do you mind if I sit on the bed next to her just for a minute? They said no. And all I did was this. I sat down, I just looked at her, and you know how the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. And something rose up in me, and all I did is I put my hand on her head, and I said these words. And he he said it for me. He said, all Rod did, he set his hand on her head and said, the love of God. I just said, the love of God. And she woke up instantly. She came to, and just like in the book, she said, Dad, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Can you feed me? And they've shared that story for you. And I totally forgot about all that. And then they brought up this other guy who, gosh, I can't think of his name right now. I feel bad. I'm looking at his mug. He had a little boy that was just just a year old, this little baby. This was 26 years ago. I remember 26 years ago. This little baby, if you could have seen it, it had a thumb. The baby's thumb was only hanging by a thread of skin. It was some weird, I mean, it was just hanging. It flopped everywhere, you know. It was like something like a broken twig, you know what I mean, just hanging by this. The whole thumb was hanging down like a half inch beneath where it's supposed to be attached. And it just had like this little string of flesh. And um, he said, you prayed for him. I don't know if you remember, but he said, the thing that really struck me is you also prayed not only for God to heal him, but you prayed that he would never be stigmatized by this. But anyhow, he said, you prayed for him. And he said it took a while because the doctors always said we need to just cut that off. We need to amputate that. And, but uh, the guy said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, we prayed. Long story short, two years later, the thumb was totally reattached. You know, you would have had to seen it before. But he said, "Roddy, he said, it's amazing. He said, but we know it started when you prayed. And he said, we know. He said, the thing about it was that even as a young boy, he still had some of that in his soul. But he said, he's never been stigmatized by that. Anyhow, he's now, he's 26 years old and just doing incredibly strong. You'd never know anything had happened. But he shared stuff like that with me, and I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I remember that. I've had a lot of stuff like that happen. Why haven't I ever done that happen here? It makes me mad. I want it to happen here. I mean, David, you sent me that text, right, about three or four weeks ago. Some friend of yours came over from Canada, right, to something. I've got the text on the phone. Whatever that was, to see a friend of theirs that had been given, like, I think, right, two weeks to live. Something like that. And you simply said, "May I pray for them? Do you mind if I pray for them, like even over the phone or something?" So correct me if I'm wrong, but anyhow, did your text So David just said he said a simple prayer over him, and the next day or two days after that, a week after, whatever, the same woman said the doctors who said they had two weeks to live, they had checked them again and said now they've got like two to five years at least. Something cha- something changed so radically. And, and, yeah, like like David said in the text, that doesn't mean it was completely done yet, but it was sure on its way. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, let's believe. I want us to believe. We serve a God this big. He will do these things in our midst, but we have to challenge ourselves here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will Will we set our hearts to truly get after God and say, I believe. I believe he's a miracle worker. I said, he's a miracle worker. Hallelujah. He loves you so much. He'll part a sea for you if need be. If need be, he'll send in hemorrhoids on your enemies. <laughs> I love that one. If need be, he can cause an animal to speak, but hopefully we won't be that rebellious where we need an animal to speak to us. He'll part a sea for you. I look at Jeff back there and Des, you know, and I love the fact that they're working towards these professional footballers and stuff like this. See, God can open a door in a New York second to cause them to have some off-the-wall, blown-away favor with these clubs across. Because, you know, it's always been one of my great prayers about the professional athletes of this nation really being bold with their faith, because I don't know, like the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw it, the team that won the Super Bowl. Every one of them were giving glory to God. It was because of Jesus. The first thing we we're going to do is say, the coach, they've got it on all the news. The coach bows down. They're in that locker room afterwards. Everybody's going, hey, ready. and then they show them all, okay, come on, the coach says, let's go. And they all bow their knee. All the football team bows their knee, and they all say the Lord's Prayer together, giving glory to God. You know, that's what happens in American sports all over. I want that here. I really do because because they're heroes over to so much you know, for young people. They're they're bold about it. Be bold about your faith. I want to see that happen for Jeff and Des. I really want. I want to see something explode because of their desire. Why not? That's all I'm saying. Why not? But I really do. What like we talk about? Believe for angelic intervention. I believe in angels. I know they're here right now. Stand up. I'm done. Dear God. Father, I want you to just simply regenerate within each and every one of us the belief that you're a big God. Now, come on, really, really, really. Don't just go away from this service already. I know you want to go home, okay, or whatever. I want your life changed. And I'm asking you to begin to do your best to just get honest. You don't have to say it in some poetic language. But where you believe. <laughs> You do, you just say, I'm going to believe God. You are the same God. I'm serving the same God that parted the Red Sea. I'm serving the same God that stopped time for a whole day. I'm serving the same God who caused time to go backwards for his people. I mean, that's heavy stuff. That's heavy, heavy, heavy. That's who we serve. Father, I give you thanks. Forgive us for our unbelief. Truly forgive us for our unbelief. I just want to say before you, I know that you're listening right now, right now, right now. Father, I'm praying for this household of faith, whatsoever it be. I'm asking, Father, for you to dip us afresh in that great vat of your anointing, that you would dip us afresh into the truth of the glory and the magnificence of your size and who you are. That we would dare to believe that you are the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, God, show yourself strong, dear people. Wake us up. Do whatever, whatever, whatever is necessary. But help us believe that you are the high and the mighty God. And that you are for us, and if you are for us, bless God. There can nothing successfully stand against us. That's what I believe, and I'm, i I want to work on this more and more, Father. And I pray that you put something in our people to where you'll quicken them to this later, when they're eating, that they'll stop eating. For, and they'll somehow, your spirit will remind him. I serve a big God. My God is bigger than the situation. My God is big. My God is bigger. My God is bigger. My God, bigger. My God loves me. He will not do for one what he won't do for another. He'll do this for me. He'll do this for me. He'll do this for me. Amen. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.